Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, being brought to you by Fordos Production. I am Anita Helm and tonight is episode 204, Unmatched Power. And I can tell you, as I was thinking about doing the title, I had started out with like four or five titles and I was saying Power at Midnight or Power Midnight to Sunset or Sunrise or, and I kept going these different titles and I kept saying, I want to show that God's power is every minute, every day, everything. And nothing that I would come up with a title really worked until I said his power is unmatched. And then I finally said unmatched power. And I believe this is going to be a teaching that's going to help a lot of us to include myself, because often I have to remind myself that God is all powerful. I know we say these words, almighty God, all powerful, the great I am, but I had to have another memory refresher to say that when Moses found out who, who do I say, God, who, who do I say that you are as he goes back to uh, Egypt and God says, I am that I am. And tonight is an opportunity for us who are believers in Christ to say we love God, trust God, that we need a I am that I am and understand there's an unmatched power in God and that God loves us and he can, he is touched by the infirmities that we're going through, the things that are going on in our lives. And I know that I've heard from people, whether they are having people that they love in the hospital, children, those kind of things. We just have to trust God and believe that he has the best interest for us and that he's going to work it all out for our good. So let's start out with the fact that I'm going to challenge your understanding because many of us in the midst of our day-to-day life, when things are going on pretty good, we don't really think about God. But when something is going on in our life that gets our attention, I need to challenge your understanding that God is not tiny. He's not little bitty. He's not puny. And when we say these words about his power, we really underestimate the kind of power that God really has. And so tonight I want to show you examples in the scripture where it talks about his power, but then I want to transition and show that even in that great power that he has, he can be touched by things that are going on in our lives and he's sensitive and he utilizes that power for our best interest. And I want to lastly go to the end to show that Satan is not any match for God. These people that are satanic worshipers and we have these TV shows called Lucifer and making people think that he's all great and powerful. And you know, those movies where they used to have like Salem's Lot and all that kind of uh, horror stuff. They would have the priest and he would be shaking in his boots with the cross and it made people think it looked like there was no power. No, there is mighty power behind God. So let's go to scriptures tonight. We're going to start. And as we start, I want y'all to notice something. I want y'all to be aware of the time of the day, because each time we see some things going on with the Lord, I want you to know that God is always showing and demonstrating his power any time of the day and night, any time. But I'm going to purposely show you that you're going to see a time that's going to be shown in some of these scriptures. You're going to also see that God is doing something in his creation, whether it's the people creation, the nature of the earth itself, or something supernaturally happening happening in the creation and things that are around. And I want you to be always aware of his, is the fact that he's aware and knowledgeable of things that are happening real time. And he dispatches angels or he does something because he is intervening. And lastly, I want you to understand that when he's intervening, it's something divine 
regarding his son and the plan of God. So let's go to Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 10. And tonight I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. So verse 1 says, now after the Sabbath, talking about this is after Christ has been crucified and we're getting ready to start about his resurrection. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn, so dawn is the time of the day. Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. There you go. It's creation shaking. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came. There you see time. You see the situation of the creation. There's a great earthquake. And now you're going to see that there's such an awareness about what's going on. God has dispatched an angel from heaven to come down and look what he does. The Lord is this, the, the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. That's how much awareness he knew the ladies were coming at dawn. He knew why they were coming and he had a message for them. Then he said here, he is not here for he has risen as he said, come see the place where he lay. They already knew he was gone. He wasn't laying there where he lay past tense. Now they're going to tell you something prophetic to say where he's going to be. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he's going to be, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with the fear and great joy and ran to his disciples and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to him, to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So you have this awareness that all this power is going on to the point that Christ has overcome death and been resurrected. Heaven knows where he is. Heaven knows where the ladies are, the time of day they're going to be. All this thing is going on. None of us have that power to know all that's going on. So let's transition to Matthew 28 because I want to talk to some of us who are doubters. Doubters about the power of God. Doubters, whether you're in peacetime or you're in times where you're kind of going through some trouble or some challenges. So Matthew 28, verse 17 through 20. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. That's what God wants. He wants us to worship him. But some doubted. So even the people that came to worship him, some of them doubted. So when I tell you that some people even listening to Milkshake Monday, even say, oh, I love the Lord. I have highly favored, blessed and highly favored, all this stuff that we say, and we're worshiping Christ. We still have people that doubt. Verse 18 says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority, all authority. He doesn't use the word power, but he's going to tell you all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Now I want you to hear something. In the power that Christ has just said, he has all authority. He gives direction to those of us who believe and worship him. Teaching them 
all of these people that are to come in our path, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's you and I. So if Christ has commanded things to you and I, and he tells us to go teach others, why is it that you find that others around us are doubting and having unbelief and unfaithful and don't want to come to the Lord? Is it possible that some of us are showing more doubt and teaching them doubt and unbelief about Christ and not what he's commanded us? Is this a food for thought? It says, and behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. So tonight he's going to talk about unmatched power because in this scripture, the first one we talk about is power. He's risen with all authority and all power. So we see that authority in heaven and in earth. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Pastor Watts last Sunday morning talked a little bit about this. So we're going to go in verse 22 to 28. Now for your homework, I want you to read Revelations chapter 20 verses 11 through 15 as a corresponding scripture regarding this discussion about death and Christ reigning and all the things there. The whole Revelation 20 will explain it a lot, but those passages about death will be helpful. So it starts in verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 15. For as in Adam all die. So also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Everybody doesn't belong to Christ. Christ created everybody, but everybody doesn't belong to Christ. And Christ knows them and he, and we know that him. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. He has to have unmatched, unmatched power because he's going to plan to rule and he's going to destroy every other rule, every other authority and every other power in the earth because he has control and all authority of both heaven and earth. There is no power in this planet on this earth in heaven that has any matching to the almighty God, the son, Jesus Christ. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. I want y'all to think about that word subjection. Because when you think of Satan, you cannot ever think of Satan being equal to God. Having the same level of power or authority. Satan as one of the sons of God is under the subjection of the almighty God. Don't ever get that twisted. Even with whatever trial or challenge or problem is going against you, you have to understand that God has the power, all power, unmatched power. It says here, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Now we're going to transition to the part. You've seen the power. He's got the power. But when you're going through a crisis in your life, the the thing that Satan will say to you is that God has so much going on. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't know what's going on with you. And he's not going to intervene because he's just got too much going on and he can't. That's a lie from the pit of hell, because just like that angel was dispatched to come down to know at dawn that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there. They know everything going on in your and my life and God cares 
And I want to show you examples here of New Testament, Old Testament examples very quickly to show you that God not only cares, he brings his supernatural power to intervene for those of us who are his children. And he does it in his own timing. Again, I want you to look at time, his creation, his awareness, and his divine plan. Now here you have in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 26. Even after Paul and Silas were doing the work of Christ, spreading the message of truth, they found themselves beaten and thrown into prison. So even though you are doing the very work of God, doesn't mean that you will not have some challenges in your life. Even when you're speaking the word of God, you're doing, you're, you're doing everything in your ministry that God has put on your heart. Doesn't mean you can't have some trials and challenges. And that's where we find our brother Paul and Silas. But look at how they're reacting and look, look how God in his power shows up. It says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, even in their situation. They still look up to heaven, praying to the source of their help, the power of their help, singing, praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them, just like they're listening to you as you go through your stuff and looking and watching what, what's going on with her. I know she got some stuff going on. What's going on with him? They're listening to you. What you're teaching them is, do you have faith? Do you have faith? and trust in the almighty God? Or are you thinking about a puny little God, a little tiny God, not a supreme being of the Lord God almighty, but they were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfettered, unfastened. Now, if I were to take you to John four, there would be a actual interaction with Jesus Christ and the woman at the well power of all authority granted to him in heaven and earth. He wants something to drink. He asked this woman, but in the engagement of talking to this woman, which some people would say, why are you talking to her? She ain't nothing. Why? He don't think of that about any of us. He came because he loves us, even though he knows all the mess of each and every one of us, all of the closets full with all the sin, all the hidden sins, the secret sins. He knows it all. But in her case, supernaturally through the word of knowledge and wisdom in her life, he tells her about herself and he tells her about the situation of her physical challenges and dysfunction of her relationships but he doesn't condemn her or judge her. He speaks to her. He speaks the truth and love to her. And she comes and says to the people, the men that know about her history, come see a man. That's how the, the power can touch and be touched by what's going on in our life. He doesn't leave us to our own issues. Let's go to something else in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, we're gonna be in Exodus chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. We always hear about Moses, the burning bush, the 10 plagues. But I want you to see in the very last plague, read that whole Exodus 11, 12, 13 on your own private time. But God is giving knowledge to them to tell them they need to get ready to leave. And as they're getting ready to prepare to leave, they're having 
uh, singing and prayers and God is telling him about unleavened bread and put the, uh, the blood over the doorpost so that the spirit will pass over because the spirit is about to do that last plague where it's going to kill every firstborn in Egypt. If you don't have that blood on their doorpost, which we know symbolically of Christ's blood, you're not going to get passed over. And that's what they were doing, initiating the Passover. So here we start at verse 20, 28. Then the people of Israel went and did so. All the stuff that God commanded in the previous verses. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. The creations that he created for life, he took away life of every firstborn. That specific death angel that went through knew enough to know who was firstborn in every household. And you're going to see every person that didn't have that doorpost, people were waking up and there was a dead person in every house. Can y'all imagine that? A dead person in every house. It says here, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock, not just people, but animals. And Pharaoh rose up in the night. This is the man that God hardened his heart. This is the man that said, who is God? Who is the Lord? God can bring those who say, who is the Lord? They'll find out who the Lord, because he's got unmatched power. And Pharaoh and all his rulership and all of his, what he thought his authority and what he was going to do with God's people. He's not saying that now because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Now, that was powerful. God saw their torment. But here we have God being even further concerned as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings in Exodus 13 verses 21 through 22. And I want to show you how God in his power controls nature to the point that he's going to envelop a cloud and he's going to be involved in that cloud through his holiness and his spirit and the power that he possesses, that he's going to have the cloud lead these people that he's just liberated from Pharaoh, lead them by day with a cloud and at night going to give them light to continue traveling and warmth to continue traveling because he's going to be in the daytime and the nighttime. There's not a time in your life, in my life, that God is not near. God is so near and he can be touched and he is aware and there's nothing that you cannot be praying to him in his will, not praying amiss, but praying in his will that he does not have the power when it is his will to intervene and in his own timing. It says here in verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night 
The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Now, I wanted you to see that because I want you to understand God's direction. God has divine direction. God has divine protection. God has divine knowingness. Every characteristic that Pastor Watts has been talking day and day out on the Bible classes, the Sunday schools and the worship services about the great I am. Now I want to dispute, challenge your thinking regarding Satan and show you some scriptures that make it clear. And let me tell you something, even before I tell you these scriptures, that Satan understood the power of Jesus Christ to the point that after Christ was baptized in the gospels, he immediately through the spirit, the spirit took Christ to the wilderness, but Satan tempted Christ. But Christ used the word of God to refute Satan, but Satan wanted him to fall. Satan wanted him to fall and to bow down to him. And that was not going to be because Satan is a subject to the Lord. He is inferior. He is a created thing of the Lord. And see, that's what we have to understand. In Job chapter one, verse six through 12, let's see how just he, yes, he was the the archangel that fell. But in the case here, we have that he's got a report to the Lord, just like the other sons of God. In Job, you're going to see in Job 1 and 2 that twice, first chapter and the second chapter, he's coming to give a recount and report about what he's been up to because he is not equal to God. He is not equal to God in any way, shape or form. The imps and the people that serve Satan are not more powerful than God. I want to say that so you understand it. So in your trial, in your challenge, in your situation, God is powerful. God is knowing. So here in the verse that starts verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord. Do you understand? One is superior. One is inferior. God is asking him a question and he's given an account. And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and from on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered. He answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? Look at the power of God and the protection and the provision. Satan understands where that's coming from. It's coming from God because he would love to get to, to Job and he'd love to get to you and I. And it's only through the Lord allowing Satan to have certain reign to do things in our lives. But here he knows where the protection of Job is coming from. And it says, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. This is all because of God. But he's trying to say, if you take it away, if you stretch your hand, that he's not going to really believe. And some of us, when we go through our trials and our challenges, Instead of counting it all joy, when we fall into trials and so they can work patience, we have a situation where we're crying and we're saying, oh God, but Job is going to say the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But here 
Satan says, oh, no, no, no. He only loves you because you're doing all this stuff for him. Christ's coming is enough. Whatever God has done in our life for Christ is enough. Whether he does anything else, it's enough. And it says here, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only, this is the power of God giving him a condition, only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, comes back. I'm not going to read all of Job chapter two, verses one through seven because of time. But look, it says again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and from on the earth and walking up and down. Again, he, the Lord brings up Job. And then going to verse four, then Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for sin, skin. Because you know, when we start to get sickness and disease, then we start to question God. Where are you, God? I've done all this stuff. Why am I sick? Why am I sick? You know, when Rev was sick, we didn't go, why are you sick? We just said, we're in this sickness. Let us be able to continue to do the work of Christ until God takes him home. That's truly what it was. Whatever it was going to be, if it was the Lord's will to heal him, heal him, fine. But if it wasn't, can he continue to pre preach and teach the gospel until God takes him home? That was, the, that was truly what was in his heart. But then Satan thought that if something was touched on Job's flesh, that again, this cursing to his face. So let's jump to verse six. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand only gave him a condition. His power says you, you can't do all this, but only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Now, the last scripture regarding Satan that I want to bring to your attention is the Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. The reason why I say this is because there are people that have the demented understanding, whether it's in witchcraft or satanic worship, or that Satan somehow is going to be the powerful king, that they're going to have such allegiance to him that he's going to be all powerful and that he's going to just rock God's world and he's going to be in charge. Lies, lies. He's the father of lies. It says here in verse 12 through 17 of Isaiah 14, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most Hi, but you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaching reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook the kingdoms? Who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities? Who did not let his prisoners go home. See how, see what's going on. They're wondering this, but, but see, when we go through our stuff in our life, we seem to forget who God is. 
and his power. So I wanted to end on this scripture, Psalm 23, verse four, because all of Psalm is Psalm 23 is good. And it's not just for a funeral. It says to us that he's going to provide to us because he's our great shepherd. He has unmatched power, but he also has unmatched love. His agape love is so we can't even quantify infinite love. But here, when we go through our challenges in our lives, it says, yea, though I walk through, you're not staying there. When you walk with him, you're going to walk through. You're not going to stay there. But when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because we know who's with us. We know whose power is with us. We know all authority is with us. All authority in heaven and earth is with us. We know we're not by ourselves. We're not listening to the lie of the devil to say he doesn't care. He doesn't know. I will fear no evil for you are with me. For you are with me. Like he said in Matthew 28, I will be with you till the end of the age. You are with me. He's with you. He's with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So when you're going through the challenges that we're learning about in James 1, when you're going through the challenges that life will bring, he says he's overcome the world that we can have, we can rejoice. Whether you're at midnight and you're up crying, God says you wipe away your tear, you know. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The joy will come after midnight because he's got power at midnight. He's got power at dawn. He's got power at sunrise, sunset, everything in between. We got to trust God. Trust is us having confidence in the promises of his word, in the promises of his love, in the promises of the truth. The, The word became flesh. He is truth and the comforter, the Holy Spirit is there to be with us. That even when things, even when your baby's in the hospital and there's sickness and there's trouble and all about you wants to quiver and cry and shake, trust that the unmatched power of God, the almighty God that loves you, that this scripture in Psalm 23, 4 speaks to your walk through the shadow of the valley of death. But don't fear the evil. Don't fear the fiery darts of the wicked one because God will only allow him to do but so much. But he wants you to trust him. Trust him with all your heart. With all your heart because he loves you. And anything God does, he does because of love. And even when we go through our sorrows that we go through, We can trust that he loves us, that he has our best interest in heart and that he's always going to be with us and he's never going to leave us or forsake us. And he will stick closer to us than a friend. And I just asked you all to pray and seek God's face for whatever's going on, because we got some things about to hit us. Y'all know you can hear every day there's some tragedy. There's some situation, whether it's our climate going upside down wars and rumors of wars and just this all kinds of calamity because Satan knows the time is getting short. And that's why our time is rolling. We just celebrated January, just celebrated Juneteenth, just celebrated August and we're getting ready to go to September. It's rolling quicker, quicker and quicker because the days are getting shorter because God knows, the father knows when he's going to send his son. 
and we need to be prayed up and ready. And we as Christians don't need to be doubters. We need to be teachers. We need to be people going and teaching other people about Matthew 28, the great commission to tell them about Jesus. I love you. And the reason why I teach is because we, we have to learn of God. And, and people will say, my, my own young women said, you know, mom, it was supposed to be just a sip, like, like only 15 minutes. Well, guess what? People can go and watch marathons on these streaming videos and they can watch movies and they can listen to a new Beyonce, 17 tracks of this, and they can do all this for hours and hours. But we can't take 45 minutes or hour to listen about the things of God. Reb used to say, sermonettes make Christianettes. We need strength in the Lord. We need to know what's going on because Satan is going to try to beat us down with the ignorance of what we don't know about the word of God. So it's okay if you spend 30 to 45 minutes learning about the word of God. We have to do the work of Christ because the harvest is ripe. It's plenteous, but the laborers are few. And we all need to get to be praying consistently without ceasing. And we have to study the word of God to show ourselves approved. I love you and Lord willing, I will see you next week. God bless you.